listeners, thank you for tuning in to episode 12 of the ATX Artist Social Podcast. I am your co-host, Tyson Davis, and along with me, we have Lolita Rodriguez, Marta Diaz, and Damon Mosley, and we are your hosts. Due to COVID-19, we will be recording remotely, so please disregard any technical difficulties. We have on the line with us Lakeem Wilson, but we will be bringing him on later on in the show. And this is the portion of the show where we sit back, we talk about the things that were going on in our lives. And um, I want to go straight to Damon because he was out marching today, man. He was in that heat. I see he's even turned a, a few shades darker. <laughs> oh, man. I you really think he got it. blacker? Yeah, melanin did today. You know what I mean? That's man, hey, that's hey, no exaggeration. No joke. So so yeah. <laughs> so how was the march, man? And where tell us where you were. Um, so we were on the campus of Houston Tillerson, um, the historically historical black college uh in Austin, Texas. Here it's the uh if those of, for those of you who don't know, Houston Tillerson was established because black students were not allowed to go to the University of Texas when it was first when it was first established. So Houston Tillerson was the college they made to keep the black kids on their side of the tracks, so to speak. I thirty five being the tracks. So anyway, that's where we uh, that's where we ended up gathering to start the march. The march. Um, started there and that's where all like the speakers and stuff came out to speak it was put on by the uh austin justice coalition so we heard from Chaz moore who um if you're uh familiar with like sort of the austin movements um you probably have heard of his name um there was the president of ht she came out and gave everybody a little history lesson about um what ht has meant to the city and um what historically historically black universities have meant to um, this country in general. Um, and we also heard from uh, Mike Ramos's mother. Mike Ramos was our own uh, local um, local person. Catastrophe. Who had, yeah. A yeah, little, little who, di- yeah. disaster, man. A little uh, another one of the um, costly homicides, man. Yes. Yes. He, he basically died. Uh, he was uh, shot with his hands up by APD. Um, and were it not for the um, George Floyd story, we may not have had the opportunity to shine such a big spotlight on Mike Ramos. Um, so we were there for him as well. His mom spoke and she was really heartbroken. It was really, really hard to to sit through. Um, but she appreciated the outpouring. I mean, there, there <clears throat> this was the largest march so far. There were thousands of people out there spilling over into the streets. Um, the campus couldn't hold everybody. And so uh, it, was, it was powerful. And I really, I actually did get a tan. It was extremely hot. Uh, my daughter was there with me and she's like roughly the same shade of black as I am. And so when we were headed back, um, she showed me in the car, she was like, look at this. So yeah, we, we, we spent a lot of time out in the sun. Um, but it was like totally worth it. She, this was her first, um, her first sort of civil activist, um, thing to be a part of. And so I did a lot of it. I did for her because, you know, I've, I've been, um, uh, fighting for social justice through my art and through, um, activism since the late eighties. 
So when she expressed that she felt like this moment, she had to, she wanted to be a part of what was going on. I was, I was obligated to go there just to kind of, I wanted to see her growth as, as, as a, as a person and her kind of to grow into her, her voice. And um, also I wanted to be there, you know, the dad and me wanted to keep her safe because, you know, we still got coronavirus out here. That's, that's, uh, that's something that we still have to be vigilant about. And so I wanted to just make sure that, you know, nothing would get out of hand. So, yeah, it that looked was my like day. a it looked like a very peaceful protest too. That's one thing that I'm not seeing a lot of light shared on. You know, so I hear about the looting, you know, you hear about the violence, but you don't you never see how peaceful it is when like-minded people come together. Well, know, have like have you seen the videos where it shows the difference between the videos that are shown on the news and the difference between the actual footage on how much they cut out? Yeah, they cut and cater, you know. They cut and cater all the time to the media. That's what makes me so mad whenever you're discussing with people and they start trying to address anything that has to do with rioting and looting. And then they lump it in with the protesting. And I'm just all like, this didn't even happen at the same time. And then were you present? Yeah. Were you present and you saw physically saw protesters looting businesses? If you didn't, then you need to sit down and you need to keep quiet because you're part of your you're aiding to an issue that they're trying to promote, you know? We're we're not we're only strong together, but all the government and the media wants to do is divide us because that makes us weak. Yeah, I, I think that the looting um, is just a it's just a reaction. It's a knee jerk reaction to the pain, you know, uh, even if it is. Uh, but see, that's that's another thing I saw that there were um, some neo-Nazis and there were, um, you know, other groups infiltrating these marches in, in cities and, and, you know, creating, mm -hmm. just, just going crazy out there amongst the crowd, which made the peaceful protest seem so unpeaceful, you know, I, I've, I've mm -hmm. been seeing that video too, but, and, and it, and it makes sense, you know, if someone doesn't want to hear your voice, they're going to dis disrupt your message as much as they can, you know, um, right. And they're they're gonna constantly deflect too. They're gonna deflect, deflect, deflect. They're like they're gonna sit there. A lot of some people, what they're gonna do is they're gonna blame you for the stuff they started. Yeah, because most definitely, it possibly could have been a whole a whole lot more peaceful if someone wasn't spitting in your face mm. while you're trying to be peaceful. Yeah, I mean the seventy five year old man that they just the the police just pushed down and. I saw the video, man. This man, dude was... busted his head open. Those cops got fired, uh, but I think the whole entire. But crew, they lied about it first. Uh, they lied about it first. It was a whole first they lied. incident. Mm -hmm. And then, and then, yeah, was... because they they're just so dumb they believe that people aren't recording. Yeah, I mean, it's like some of now, the tactics are just like childish. They, uh, they attacked another. They attacked a, a reporter from uh, Australia or something. I mean, they still got video oh, of them yeah, just like about coming around the corner and just like just out they, and out punch straight up punching dude in the face. They're acting out like they're lost, like they don't actually know what to do. You know what? Something I want to address is because uh, you know my sister is an active oh, yeah. um, military officer in the military, right? They posted the whole thing with Kiki Palmer yelling at the National Guard. And I have a huge issue with this because with the military, they don't have a choice. Cops, that's a job. You, you, That's a job. You can leave a job. But you can't leave the military. That's AWOL, right? So it's just like she's sitting there yelling and stuff inside, in front of the National Guard and want to be like, march with us, march with us. And it's just like you're putting his life in yeah. now, now, 
You're putting also when his you family say going in danger. AWOL, can you explain the repercussions? Because not a lot of people understand what type of re- repercussions happen when they go AWOL. Going AWOL, you go to prison. You go to prison. That is a, that's like if you went and murdered somebody, right? That's like the re- repercussions of you going AWOL. You are now an enemy of the mm-hmm. state. If you go AWOL, you're now an enemy of the state. So if they start disobeying orders and start marching with the protesters when they have been legally by the government assigned to that post, they are officially going against the state. Well, that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to pit us against the state. Because with Trump calling for the military yeah. to come out and patrol the streets. And, that, and that's what's so and... foul about that is that if they if Trump does that, they have to go. Right. Regardless, my sister, my sister, and I'm not trying to blast anything, and, I'm, and I asked her too about this, but they pretty much told her she couldn't go to a protest. If they saw her at a protest, she would de- be demoted from her position. She would probably get some type of repercussion. She can't post anything on Facebook related to anything with the movement of any sort and it's just wild like I just think it's crazy because everybody's just like trying to be so gun ho against the military and I'm like the military y'all shouldn't even have that focus. yeah I don't the military is not the problem man the problem is these rogue cops so you're telling me that if I'm a if I'm a brain surgeon and I got cerebral palsy you know you're gonna trust me with a the knife and a scalpel, right? But these these cops, if they have attitude adjustments or they have racial biases, we can't trust them with a badge and a gun. It's it's it just doesn't work like that. Have, you know what I mean? I have a question that's a little bit off of what we're talking about. So you know when you are one political party or the other, you know how you're not allowed to be at the conventions of the other political party. Mm-hmm. I don't understand mm-hmm. that. The only, I'm like, at first I was like, oh, maybe so there's no fights or something like that. But to me, I'm just like, no. how? Well, they consider it, they can, they consider it that you're probably like leeching, leeching see, information. My, see, what I'm pretty thinking much. is, aren't we supposed to be learning? Aren't we supposed to be listening to the other side to understand why it is they're so passionate about what they're passionate about? But you have to say, you have to say that it's from history mm-hmm. though, because like they might've been able to do that, but there was one person that messed that up, that had went in and got information and then went in and used my, it against the other party. My There's thing, always, is, like, my thing is, we're not gangs. We are humans trying to figure out what the best options for us is. They trying to get that vote. P- politics is all about so your I, vote. I honestly feel like part of what this media stuff is going on is that is definitely the division the same way the political parties are doing. Yeah, that, these these political oh, parties definitely. definitely have an agenda, though. They definitely are set out to mm-hmm. uh, suppress the vote in November because uh, the the less the, the demographics of America are changing. So they're trying their best to, you know, keep people from voting. Um, right. Because the demographics don't favor the Republican Party. But, you know, I hate politics, man. It's like, you know, good people, bad people to me. A good person, bad person. Good view, bad view. You know, and I see things that way. I don't necessarily see Republican or Democrat. I see good or bad policies. Well, it's all about power yeah, struggle. Yeah, definitely. Right? So it's, it's all a power struggle. It's and all when, about yeah. greed. <laughs> Did y'all see that meme that someone put about... Uh, they're saying there's bad apples in the uh, mm, police yeah. department, and then they were like, "Well, if there was 
if American Airlines said there was a bad yeah, apple. Yeah, yeah. yeah, if there was a bad apple. Pilots. With, uh, yeah. He was like, pilots need to plan the plane just, like, all the crash time. Like, Yeah, and I'm like, we just have this one that crashes in the mountains. It's okay. Yeah, yeah. But just think about it. In in a cop's position, if the pilot crashes and he survives, then he'll be flying again the next day. And a lot of it has okay. to do too with just like the 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 attitude of police law enforcement just over the years. It's just become this like brotherhood that like they say like they really mean that. Like when you join the police force, you're not black or white. And even mm-hmm. if you know something is mm-hmm. going wrong, like well, they still have the same tactics that they use in the military. They use yeah, they want to mirror, right? mirror they the military. They use the same tactics. Yeah, they they mirror the same tactics. You know, I have. Um, a few people that I know that are police officers and that are firefighters, right? And I'm not saying like everybody is terrible, but it's just like you choose to put on that uniform. And if they're doing, if I was an officer and I was a police officer and I saw some them doing some things that I didn't agree with, you better best let I wouldn't be putting that uniform on right. anymore. Like that's just a job. That's a choice that you're making. And like the one problem that I have with people constantly saying they're like, well, there's good cops and not all of them are bad, but those cops are still standing next to them. That is true. So you're still standing next to them. So you're just, you're no better than who you associate yourself with. When it's not a choice, like it is with the military, that's the difference between the military and the police officers. When you don't have a choice or go to prison, you won't go to prison if you don't go to je- go to your job as a police officer, but you'll go to prison if you don't put that uniform on mm. in the military. That's a good uh, little segue. Well, we we uh, are we could go on on this topic like all day long because I, I even wanted to ask Martha about a little situation. Martha, we we uh, I shared something with you on Facebook, I want to say. And um, and it was about the, you know, um, the the um, border crisis, you know, Latina kids being still locked up in cages. So that thing is still going on. Uh, I just want to give you a moment to express your feelings on that, you know, being that we're having our conversation. Oh, man. It is a very complicated situation. I, a lot of people try to yell at me. And tell me that the reason these people are locked in cages worse than animals are. Because animals have better rights than the people that have crossed. I'm sorry. I'm I'm kind of emotional. No, it's okay. I I would be like, I don't know. Like, I'm like, okay, you don't want them crossing. you You don't want people coming over here. And you feel the need to do something about it. Okay, let let's see what your plan is. But why is your plan letting these people rot in there? Why is your plan letting these people get raped, hurt, like get sick? Like that's my problem. I'm yeah, sorry. It's it's just I America. still I have that same problem. It's yeah, another, I had the same problem. It's another yeah, definitely. issue of just American like opportunism and American America Greed. using people. Mm-hmm. It's just they use Greed. people, right? Greed. Because all like, these major corporations use um, undocumented labor. They want mm-hmm. undocumented people here, but they also, whenever it's time to show that we're down with America or we, whenever someone comes in and wants to wave the flag, then they use them as an example, as like a scapegoat for problems that have nothing to do with them. It's the same they and do with the black community and yeah. all other there's, there's a lot of, I want to say theory, not necessarily conspiracy theory, but definitely a theory 
of a lot of these kids that are being lost are actually being sold. Mm. Jeffrey yeah. Epstein again. And I think that what and 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 and, and I think it's a problem that people were like, why aren't they marching like the Black Lives Because we're all of us are American. Most of us, like you know, that are out there marching. These undocumented workers can't like, go out there like, and march. For I was this. telling Lolita the other day. <laughs> How did they do Lolita that? The you have to think about it like this. The Hispanic community is very divided. So a lot of people, the first generation here, got beat for speaking their language, got beat for looking the way they do. So they sit, so they started trying to morph into being a white person or looking white, having colored eyes so that they don't get harassed the way that they do. So to me, the mentality of how to survive changed. The other third of people mm -hmm. don't they are scared. They they feel like the moment they're out there out of protest, they're gonna come get jacked. Their family's gonna come get jacked. And the other third are out there fighting. And I've definitely started, I've been trying to do a little more research and I've definitely seen how the black community has come to help us because the other two thirds cannot. Yeah. And I wanna say thank it you. I definitely want to mm -hmm. thank yeah, you for that. Yeah, we appreciate our our Latino brothers and sisters, man. We we definitely at, at this time, Native Americans, African Americans, White Americans, you know, we all need to come together because there's a a bigger a bigger thing in the future for us. It's not about right now. Right now, times look tough and rough, but the moment that we link up and come together and we're all on one accord, I think that. Uh, we'll, we'll shape this country. I want to say too for Asian Americans too because they got a lot of heat for the coronavirus, yeah. right? They got a lot of violent things that has been happening to them too, and nobody's really been addressing that at all. We kind of just no, no, no. black people, black people black shut that type happened. of stuff down all the time, you know. Uh, well, I'm just saying, like in the media, but in the media, oh, yeah. like as as far as it being yeah. in the forefront, you really don't hear about Asian American issues. Like you never really hear about the their struggle when it is awesome yeah. to ours. Like, you know what I mean? They also <laughs> encounter racism and different things and stereotypes every single day, but not there. Like, I don't feel like their population is uh, united enough to make a movement. So their, their issue is complicated. Like we talk about like, that nope. in my house, of course. Um, and so the Asians have this, this thing that um, they call the model minority syndrome. Right. And it's that Asians, are stereotyped, but their stereotype is that they're doctors and they're lawyers. Mm. And, and it sounds most good, definitely. but when you think about it, like most, the majority of Asian people are not doctors and lawyers. They're the guys that work in the in the food mm -hmm. industry. They're the ones who are working in your convenience stores on uh, the corner with I'm like no health care. And so like they don't, and those are people like, like a lot of people don't know, a lot of Asian people like either really close to or right next to the Latino community, there's a lot of undocumented Asians in America too. And they get low wages and they get all mm -hmm. the same stuff we get. We were watching this documentary the other night where, and this was this was news to me because I grew up in Austin and I know all about Cesar Chavez and mm. the um, fruit protests and the grape protests and the, the farm workers protests. What I didn't know was that was started by Filipinos. It wasn't started by Cesar Chavez. The Filipinos were out working the same fields. Fields, yeah. And they started the protest and then Cesar Chavez joined them. It got bigger when Cesar Chavez joined them, but they started the 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 first like um, protest and, and uh, what do you call I've it? I've also Strike. heard people try to discredit the Asian community for helping out during slavery, like being 
like they're also slaves and i feel like a lot of people don't know that as well and yeah a lot of people just don't know the history yeah, a lot of people don't know the history they don't know that that when when uh the mexican american war happened they took mexicans as slaves they took indian people as slaves that's the reason also, why black people also want to point out a, a heritage so right. mexico also had a black president before the u.s ever did well if you go to the texas history museum which i grew up and i took texas history i grew up in texas i took texas history and i never knew this until i went to texas history they don't teach they, it they're not gonna teach they don't you. teach this even in but, book even in book they will never tell you they'll tell you like they'll tell you a little bit of the process they won't give credit damon but, damon right. who you were finna tell me about the first african-american president oh no 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 i was about <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say that, like, there wouldn't be Texas if it wasn't for slavery. The Texas Revolution started because Mexico outlawed slavery. Santa Ana was coming to free the slaves. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. And that's what the rebellion was about. Because Texas was happy being a part of Mexico as long as they could reap the benefits, they could have their slaves, and they were making money. It wasn't until they was like, y'all can't have slaves no more. Mm -hmm. And the Mexican army came was like, we, we outlaw slavery. If this is Mexico, y'all can't do this on our in our country. And that's when they took up arms and started fighting. Mm. And a lot of people don't ATA. know that. Like, no, we're yeah. going to keep these. That's, that's how, that's how actually, hey, I, actually started. To our, to our ATX artist social listeners, that is a teachable moment. <laughs> Coin that. <laughs> Yeah, Lola, you got your you Lola, you got your pearl snap. I see. I'm, is that a pearl snap? What is that? What, it's not pearl what snap is that? Today. It is um flavor country. Oh, okay. okay. Austin Beer Works. We should, we... But it's still, it's still Austin Beer Works. It's still Austin no, Beer already, Works. already. Wait, wait, oh. wait, wait, wait. I haven't even popped this. Come on, come on, crack it. Open. Hold on. That's what I'm talking about. Set there us up go. for a good interview. Every time. Yo, ATX Artist Social listeners and ATX Artist Social team, we have Lakeem Wilson on the line of Natural Born Studios, man. I'm so excited to talk to this young man during right now. In these times, you know, we definitely need to hear from a, a creative like this. So ATX Artist Social team, I want y'all to come together with me and give a immaculate round of applause for our featured artist, Lakeem. 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 What's up? I appreciate that intro. <laughs> what up? What up, Lock King? How's it going, man? Uh, pretty good. Pretty good, man. Just living, living during the times and soaking everything in. Right on, right on, and 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 staying active at your craft too. I see you. You continuing to create, and I'm so proud of that, man. I'm I so proud of that. He's drawing while we're <laughs> talking. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'll be, right be taking notes. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so so Lakeem man I love your art man and I love what it represents and how it always reflects the time so how have recent events started to impact your creations Oh man so I guess for those who don't know I'm Lakeem Wilson I'm an artist illustrator an entrepreneur and shoot I'm originally from Dallas uh, but I've been here in Austin going on like 10 years now being here in Austin right. so I've, I've kind of seen it change over time and like I think a lot of my artwork has been centered around like it, it just reminds me of like time repeating itself a lot of time you know because mm. now I'm reflecting back on art pieces that I did like in 2016 about um, you know Trayvon Martin and things but right. that artwork is becoming relevant again mm. so it's kind of like um, you know you make art that speaks a message it pretty much is it becomes timeless yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, that is a, a part of our story. And it's like, don't you wish as a, as a black artist, you could just paint some abstracts? You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> please, yeah. please, please, America, take your 
take your. That's why I don't pay. This is why I don't pay. Every black artist has to address this. Like, there's no way around it. Like, I, you just can't paint like you know flowers and landscapes and stuff and be peaceful and happy. And, you know what I mean? Because without. You can't buy yeah, brass. No, no happy people, trees. No happy trees. They got people hanging from the happy trees. That's true. Our trees Strange got fruit. nooses on them, man. Strange fruit. Strange <laughs> fruit hanging from them trees, <laughs> man. Yeah. But anyway, anyway, I'm sorry, Lakeem. I didn't mean to cut your eye. No. <laughs> no, I say art is definitely, I mean, I think people use art as a way to, uh, the same way as writing is just a way of uh, having a voice and speaking. So a lot of times, like I haven't been able to go to the protest like physically, but like I kind of give my voice to the protest through just like the different illustrations and drawings that I create, you know. Okay, Lakeem, you with me? You draw it? You with oh, me? yeah, yeah. Okay. The artist. All right. Yeah, I know. He's all like, I'm going to sketch real quick. All right. So uh, <laughs> I wanted to know, why did you choose um, the name Natural Born? And um, like, where did it derive from? And what is it? What is the meaning behind it? What does it mean to you? Yeah. So, I mean, Natural Born started in like 2010. It really started as a tattoo. Like I started doing, I started doing, I did like a tattoo on my finger. Mm -hmm. I put natural born star. Mm -hmm. So uh, it started as like natural born star. And I decided to kind of turn it into a brand. It just stands, it represents those who, who use their natural gifts and talents to manifest the things they want in life. You know, oh, manifestation. Born. We know about that. <laughs> yeah, 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 Martha knows. Martha manifests that. <laughs> Yeah, it started yeah. as natural born star, and then I just I just dropped like star and just changed it to natural born. And I was I was like, it would be a cool name to start like a studio. And I think of Disney or like uh and like different studios. They have like dope names, you know. Mm -hmm. So like natural born studios is like seem like a cool name. I'm trying uh -huh. to get that Universal Universal Studios. We got Lakeem with that natural born studios. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then, so yeah. also, um, did with that, um, do you have any like um, edu educational background or um, trained professionally? Yeah. So I mean, I I was graduated from Lincoln in Dallas in 2010. And I went to UT, so I was art major at UT, and you know, oh, dope. getting that experience was pretty cool. Like you know, college. College to How, me is really just a, a way um, to Can you tell me a little bit more about the programming that while you're studying? Like, how did it affect you? How did it help you out? Yeah. So, studio art majors is pretty much, uh, I took basic, we took like all the art classes, such as like painting, drawings, 3D art, uh, art history, mm -hmm. things like that. You know, it was really good. I learned a lot. I learned a lot just being in the atmosphere having homework assignments to where we, we had to create projects and things and kind of develop our technical skill. Yeah, I think school really helped on that end. But at the same time, I, I feel like going to college, they didn't really teach me how to draw better or paint better. It was just a system. I feel like it's more business aspect. To a new city. 
was it to teach you more to understand the past painters of what they painted rather than how to develop your own? Exactly. Yeah. So it's always like a pre-course. Like, you know, they have their uh, lessons already painted out. Or pretty much, yeah, since it's a PWI, predominantly white, you like, it's like they have their art. <laughs> <laughs> At the same time. That's true. That's true. Because when I took art history before, and it's like they don't really tell you about black painters or any of that. They're really telling you about uh, white history in the they, art. They're telling form, like, you. They're telling you about the rich folks that got talked shit about because they spent their money on paint. Yeah, right. most pretty much. <laughs> well, the way they look at it is they look at it as though there there hasn't really been a significant black artist um, throughout history. They don't look at it like art, art history doesn't look at black artists as being significant. Now, bear in mind, right. with that with, with that in mind, the most celebrated artist of all time, Pablo Picasso. Mm-hmm. was inspired by African mass and African art. He studied African art and applied mm-hmm. it to his work. But according to Western teaching, there's never been a significant like black artist worth studying up until I think like Basquiat, which was like in the eighties. Mm-hmm. Like throughout mm-hmm. art history, Basquiat. it was like Basquiat's the first and like only one that anybody cared about. And that's now, only because War- Warhol co-signed for him. And now that being said, I do believe learning about these past artists is very important. Just to put yeah. that out there, I do feel like it's still very like to sit there and read why they painted the lips or the skin lighter than mm-hmm. everything else is so dark. Like there is actually a technique to a lot of those works. That being yeah. said, you know, I there's think, I think learning the art too, I always I always observe creating art from like a skill. Like I really got drawn to the skill set of like being able to draw stuff realistic. And like, so in high school, in high school, I was already practicing like how to draw realistic faces or like how to draw, um, you know, it was something that I was just interested in early on. But I think as I got older, like realism and like concepts, like making stuff look beautiful and um, perfect kind of faded away and it came became more conceptual and like you know all right I can use this art piece as a form it's just like writing a writing a rap or like um doing literature or dancing it's just a form of expression so it's like it became in college it was more so like oh we're teaching you the fundamentals you learn from life you learn more from life than you learned in college <laughs> You're gonna learn on these streets. Do you right. like, did, learn on these yeah. streets. <laughs> are there books and stuff like that that you felt the need to find on your own that'll oh, help yeah. you out? Yeah, I got a ton of books. Uh lately I've been picking up a lot of animation books. Like I can show y'all uh I'm gonna just show y'all like this. <laughs> Alright, well, don't forget well, yeah. the name. Hey, he, he, like, look, he slid over <laughs> a box Right here. Box. He's all like, "Look, I'm gonna show y'all." And then, all right, you want to hit us off with some of the titles real quick? Because remember, this is a podcast now. Everybody, can, yeah, everybody, animation, can. Oh, yeah. animators, so, survival kid, much, I saw. Yeah. Lately, I've been really wanting to get into the animation field and industry, just because I think stop motion and with digital art. Like everything is like we're communicating through Zoom right now, so everything's becoming so digital to where I think animation. I I used to really like how you know the 
the peanuts, the boondocks. Right. Like it's it's, it's like ducks. it's communication and telling stories, but it's through a Our whole work. new digital world, you know. So hey man, Lakeem, your your some of your speaking of your animations, man, you do you do a couple of animations that I thought was super dope. Like the one with currency. Like you have a you have a dope little relationship with currency also, man. Would you like oh, yeah. to Yeah, talk on about that? that project. Oh yeah, yeah. Man, Spitter and he when first, well first I'm a big fan of his music. So, you know, I really like hip hop and music that uh tell stories about the culture and more than that kind of tell stories about the hustle, you know, the grind and like smooth stuff. Jet life. So, yeah. All right, so you know, I think the first time I met him was during South by. It was pretty much I took a painting. I took a painting to the concert, and like towards the end of the concert, I held it up, <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, snap! Them were clean." You know, he liked the painting. So wait, you just took and, a painting you know, to a concert for like no reason, or was it to get his attention? That's an interesting. Nah, technique. it was a painting. It was a painting of like a lowrider, like one of the cars, okay. one of his cars. So I was like, I wanted to get it to him specifically, okay. And I was like, you know. I think that'll be a good opportunity to like meet him and all that. So it's really just yeah, that was smooth. Like taking yeah, I met yeah. Devin the dude the same way, man. I've, I've <laughs> uh, Devin had a concert down here in Austin, man, at uh, Emos, and I think uh, and I yeah, did Devin a, I did a piece of him. Yeah, I did a piece of him, man, and he loved that thing, man. Invited me backstage, you know. He twisted yeah. up, we'll roll it up. You know what's funny <laughs> is Lolita and I met for the first time out of David the Dude concert. What? Oh yeah. wow! That just shows the Matrix. That just shows there you. it is, Lucky. That just shows you. That just goes. To, shout out Matrix Devin the Dude. Too. I got a Devin the Dude story too. Like I, I hung out with Devin. The dude. I love so Devin just, the Dude. That just I've tells you how many, how many times he's come to Austin and like what his footprint. Because I didn't know. He makes a point. Had have you ever heard? You ever? Yeah. Have you ever heard? He makes a, a very point. He makes a point to come here every single time because he says he never gets as much love as he does when he comes to Austin. And I've yeah. seen him in San Antonio um, and it's never been as hype as his shows here in Austin, even if they're a small scale. Like yeah. he goes out, like all out uh, when he comes to Austin. So it's just like I love Devin the Dude. I've heard every album that he's ever produced, never yeah. made. Like he's just like he OGs. Yeah, well, his first song that he ever made that I listened to was when he. It was about what was it called? Um, it's about the girl, but he's like making it seem like he's talking to a female the whole time. Mm-hmm. But in reality, he's talking to his weed yeah. man. <laughs> like it's all like, uh, he like and, 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 the, and in the music video, it's like an illusion that he's talking to his girl in the car right next uh, to him. But then yeah. in like the 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 video, like at the very end, the last few seconds is like pans down and it's like a weed <laughs> kid that's in the passenger seat. And that's yeah, like, the whole time. I just like, I love Devin and Dean. Uh, <laughs> that is basically the, the essence of Devin's music. And right there. there, there's so yeah. much right. love in his music too. Just it, when you listen to him, you can hear the love for, and what he's saying is real. Like, I, yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. And I love the comedy Real hip hop. Yes. There's this little skit. I just got a big appreciation for like, southern hip-hop too like being from texas and growing up and one thing i realized is like artists I mean, like some of the most successful artists are always known for putting on their city or putting on where they came from and put it on you know so when you think of nipsey hustle you think mm-hmm. of like california you think of west coast and you know hot uh, master p new orleans like a lot of people 
thinking of like black empowerment and things like that, I feel like in in a successful artist journey, they kind and of mixtapes. Oh, I know you're about to, you're about to, I know you're about to break up mixtapes. <laughs> You know, if this ain't painted yeah. in the mixtape, <laughs> the underground mixtape, Swiss House. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, they invented. Yeah, it's like the West. You got the the East Coast got their identity. The West Coast got his, but the South also made a. The South got his own name and sound and things too. Oh yeah, like chopping screwed. Yeah, chopping screwed, all that stuff. Like they, well, be, I feel like they came up with their old style here in the south. And you already well, that currency. Uh, I just want to say that that currency project was like super dope. And so I was just wondering, like, how many pieces did you do for him? Man, so I edited a cartoon, two cartoon videos. It was three. Like I mixed the cartoon videos with his uh with the titles of the songs or the uh, soundtrack of the songs. And he he used those for like official videos. That was dope. Oh, okay. So did you also do yeah. album covers too? Or yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like smoking partners. <laughs> he got an album cover called Smoking Partners, and then like, um, man, he that's the thing. He released so much music. I'm just I got an appreciation for artists and people who are constantly just releasing new yeah. stuff out of creativity. Just because a lot of times art is infinite and like creativity and stuff becomes just like you know so it's like that was probably like an album cover yeah yeah, yeah. it's like you're, you're really prolific in that way too like you you are con- like anybody that follows you on social media will know that you are like constantly posting new stuff constantly creating just like how i was joking mm-hmm. earlier about like you probably mm-hmm. sketching like right now like like that, that's one <laughs> yeah. of the, that's one of the things that i admire about about you and like the things that you do um and so um that's why we wanted to have you on the show today so you could kind of share what your inspiration was and how you how you stay motivated like that all the time yeah man i think what i, I really want to i really want to create a production company in the future yeah. <laughs> you know like i saw that i saw that you uh type. that you had like where you wanted to do like a publishing house and you wanted to do like uh so let me let me switch let me switch gears real quick i want to know because you did a res- residency at UT. Yeah. Um, how was that? How did you get that? And um, what did you gain from that? What did you feel like you gained from that? Did that give you more perspective of like what you wanted your goals to be as far as Natural Born uh, Studios as a whole goes? So the residency at UT, I did a project and series titled The Embodiment Series. And it was through uh, CAD, which is Center of African Arts and Diaspora in the art building. And so I had a good connect. I had a good uh, relationship with my my past professor, Professor Moyo. And that was one thing I appreciated about the college experience was like I had a few uh, professors who was mentors and they was black teachers like John Yancey. He did the mural on uh, East 11th Street. Street. Yeah. Like mosaic. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, like, he was my life drawing teacher. And then some other professors, like, really stood did out. Did you have any contact with you know, uh, but... Michael Ray Charles at all? Yeah. Yeah. Really? Uh, I was able to pick up his book. Like, he had, like, a book signing thing. 
here at the Umlaw. Right. Yeah. And uh, I got to meet a running to him there and catch oh, up. Okay. Yeah. But like he was my painting professor too. You like, studied under here. Michael Ray Charles. Michael Ray Charles is one of my favorite living artists. Yeah. Yeah. yeah his work is his work so is it was incredible. Like those type of influences, you know, it kind of forced me to. Hold on. Um, holding the book, holding the book right now. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that was like, yeah. Still, I still, yeah, still I still got it in the rap. I ain't, I'm trying to keep it. I ain't, but like, oh my goodness, his work is so so incredible. And that show at the Umlaut was, I mean, that was just a fraction of his work, but it was like super powerful, mm-hmm. man. Like some of the things, the images and stuff that he does is just incredible. Right, and that's why I realized we make like artists successful is their bodies of yeah. work. Like, you know, a lot mm-hmm. of people are known for like one picture, two pictures, but like, I think uh, like. I guess as you grow older, you start seeing it as like you putting together mixtapes and albums, <laughs> but with mm-hmm. visual, you know, like if you had a soundtrack, <laughs> like a visual soundtrack, like what would you be saying in it and what you got to say, but the only difference is, is no words, it's just like... But after the residency, uh, do you think that you got more, like, spotlight from it? Do you think that people saw you more, more visibility? Yeah. So the residency really helped me focus in on a project that was like it's crazy because all the projects that i did there are really irrelevant to what's going on right now mm-hmm. so um, pretty much i was talking to as i was talking to uh professor moyo like he challenged me to um kind of limit myself on colors and like paintings because before the residency we was kind of talking about what we wanted to do with the space at ut because he was going to be going like to Nigeria and the space was going to be open for like a few months. And if it didn't get occupied or nobody used the space, the school would kind of like take it or use it for something else. So uh, we came up with the idea to do that series. And it really spoke on, it's three main elements. So you had the silhouettes and then you had the inner story inside each of the silhouettes and then you had the negative space. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was like working within parameters kind of made me think of black. Well, since it was like socially uh, illustrated, like charged, like everything was in black ink and thinking about social issues. It was just a dope experience. So you, Yeah, it was a super dope show, too, because um, me and Damon ended up at the show at the same time. Yeah, uh, we fell through that. To coming mm-hmm. up, coming up to the when you finally released the artwork, man, and it was it was beautiful, man. It was a beautiful event, and uh, there were some speakers there and everything. You know, like it was a beautiful show, like a series of pieces you did. But I was just wondering if there was one particular piece out of that series that you think really like captured that moment or what it was about, or maybe even like your favorite piece. Yeah, I think my overall favorite in that series was. Probably like the hands up, don't shoot mm. one. It was like, because uh, it's all, you know, it's like, it, it, it's almost like a trademark or like the hands up, don't shoot became like a symbol of social injustices during the time. So like with that, you know, working with that idea, it's like that's the silhouette. But inside it, you see like Malcolm X in one hand talking about an issue. And then you see the police officer. Then it says hands up, don't shoot. So it's like different symbols that tells the deeper context of like what that silhouette represent, you know, and I'm not always so political in my art, <laughs> you know, because sometimes I do just, uh, you know, I create a lot of artwork just, you know, just to practice and do things. But I always, I guess everything tends to go towards uh, having a message mm-hmm. 
and that's like you you know I think my uh thing. my favorite piece for me wasn't even a political piece it was a um a younger woman with a child and it was like in a triangle and she was sitting kind of Indian style and the woman I mean the child was sitting like kind of laid down right next to her um yeah. that to me to me I it, I guess that resonated with me mostly because I am a mother like you know what I mean so I, I I felt some type of way about that piece like a connection between a mother and a child you know so like I feel like you don't always have to be political, you know, to get a message across through your artwork, you know, because that's mm -hmm. the message that I received from it. And, you know, and it had no, I, I'm pretty sure I don't know what you thought whenever you were painting it <laughs> or yeah. drawing it, you know. <laughs> that was a picture reference. Are, are there some pieces, yeah. are there some pieces you're currently working on right now? <laughs> that, that you, that you, that it's you really have hopes for, I guess I have to add, that you really like, you're excited to talk about. Yeah. I would say my favorite price is usually my sketchbooks. Like, I paint a lot, I do paint a lot, and I'm always creating paintings. But I think the core of the concepts and ideas just come from like sketchbooks. So like, uh, I, I guess you can't. No, hear you can't. It we can't, we can't hear that on the podcast. Hear, but like, <laughs> you know, pictures uh -huh. like these is like, uh, it's like super cartoonish. Uh, but I think it's a, uh, it's a cool design type of style. So like, okay, uh, so this brings me to a question. So that's one of the reoccurring things that that picture you just showed us um, is one of the reoccurring characters throughout your artwork. And I was wondering if you could break that yeah. down for the people. Cause like, like those of us who follow you know what it's all about, but um, I think you call him beams. Yeah. So if you yeah. could like kind of so go into that a little bit. The homie beams. <laughs> yeah. I call him beams. He's like the, uh, he's like the, the brand ambassador, like the same way uh, Disney have Mickey Mouse mm -hmm. or, you know, Bugs mm. Bunny and things. I want to turn beams into like, like the brand ambassador of face. So I'm, I'm always, you know, I, I just kind of, and his, his head is kind of like a signature. Like, I, I can do, like, do the head. So it's like branding. It's like a logo. Letting it speak for you. But it's also a character at the same time. And isn't there, like, an acronym for that? Yeah, BEAM. So BEAM stands for Be Elevated and Manifest Success. Wow, okay. Like and that. so, and, like, the background story of him is he was thrown to Earth in an invincible eggshell. <laughs> Like he was thrown to earth in the eggshell, but it was indestructible. And like nothing from the outside can break break into it. The only way he can break it was from within. So he was like thrown to earth and he rode a hundred miles and then he broke out the eggshell and it was like uh oh, okay. coming. <laughs> He's getting all Well, you use acronyms a lot in your work, and so like I don't think we, we have to speak that. And there's, there's a lot of like positivity behind some of the some of the acronyms and the stuff you say. I know there's another one you have for kids, um, and it's Kings. Oh yeah, something about King. Yeah, yeah. King series. King stands for Kids Inspiring New Grounds. And so you had like, and it's like I think the, you had a piece where it's like. A young black, a young black man and a young black woman, and the black man is, is holding the uh, on the sign says "My life matters." Oh yeah, oh, there yeah. is, and then it says, and then the little girl has black black lives yeah. matter. Yeah, right. And I, yeah, yeah, two kids. And, yeah, I do a lot 
I'm, I'm really drawn to doing work for kids and about kids just because I got, a, well, one, I got with like three, I got like five nieces and nephews. I don't think about to think that. Five <laughs> oh, no. You pushing me, huh? I'm like, 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 <laughs> nah, I ain't got no kids, <laughs> but I got I got so many nieces and nephews. I see them as like you know, but like just thinking about that, that's why I started King because it stands for kids firing new ground and just I mean, like a lot of it, it, it's like a lot of like there's a lot of things that happen to children that people don't really talk about until it's something tragic, you know, like how uh, in, influenced our children are, you know. So it's like that's the reason why I started my whole deal is because my whole brand is about children, you know, and um, so. I feel like it's something that is not addressed and I'm glad to see that you're doing artwork to focus on uh, uh, bu- building our, our future generation. Like that's our future generation. That's the future us, you know, mm. that, that bridges me into my last question. So whenever you say that you're going to have the natural born studios and you're talking about housing artists, or are you talking about um, just being a uh, company that helps their businesses to grow like can you go into a little bit more detail about that yeah the ultimate goal is i want to kind of teach um i want to teach a new generation of animators and creators you know not a new generation but just teach people skills of what it takes to share their stories through art art mainly art you know but then there's digital art your paintings and things and uh so i'd like yeah housing artists would be a direction uh but maybe well would you be housing artists like as far as to be able to do workshops so you're just going to house them as in to build their brand i guess it's the their portfolio i'm trying to ask yeah 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 i would say to build their brands to really like you know because i'm learning how to animate or at the same time like you know and i think the information that you learn along the way can really impact people who's trying to do those so lakin what if you could say anything to the younger you about the creative just the whole creative field creative entrepreneurship uh sitting in the studio painting drawing what would you tell the young lakin man the young (laughs) lakin i would say (laughs) really you know stay focused outside of you know uh understand how to communicate be confident in your uh you know understanding be confident in creativity you know and expressing yourself through well let's see because i'm thinking i gotta think of my older self and i gotta think of my younger self (laughs) 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 i think that's time travel my thing is right right you just yeah. go back and talk to talk to the, the little is, you all right, i would tell myself <laughs> imagination is going to be your key to success like if i had to That's leave dope, a message man. i would say you know your imagination the way you think the way you do things is not that you don't supposed to be like everyone else you got to figure out your imagination can create what you want to have you know whether it's art wise or whether it's just opportunities in life like you gotta be creative with how you approach life that's dope that's dope i just feel like you just i feel like the reason why it took him so long to answer is because he has no regret. <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> he's 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 you been know, talking like, to himself the, the whole time yeah. Yeah, he's like, I'll take the same path that I did today. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. 
<laughs> so did you always know? No, I, just, I said. Go ahead, no, go ahead. Go ahead. You were going to be an artist. Like, did you ever want to be like a firefighter or something else? Yeah, I, I couldn't see myself doing other, anything. I mean, I, I, I have I've had jobs like I, I was a concierge like after college. And that was cool, but it was like you know I had to, I had to make that decision <laughs> when I was going to college because I had to think of what I was gonna major in. Mm. And I really couldn't think of nothing majoring anything else with art. Like I I, I would have went for football. I played football and sports. Uh-huh. What you played football? My <laughs> shut up. Nah, I almost had a scholarship. What position had, you played? I had a scholarship with the West Texas A and M. Oh, like, nice uh, football. What? And I was like uh, UT West Texas. What position what position did you play, Lakeem? Yeah. Nah, I was a yeah. uh, podcast <laughs> in, outside linebacker. Outside linebacker. Outside linebacker. I thought I thought I could see he was athletic, so I figured basketball. I would have never thought. That's racist of you. That's racist. No, that's not racist. I said he was athletic. I didn't say he was black. So I thought he played basketball. <laughs> Like he's skinny, yeah. black. Right. Nah, no, that's your. That's, that's not me. Don't put them racist oh, thought no. on me. You know when I think someone is a basketball player, it's when I see those socks, like the tube high socks. I'm like, he must play basketball. That's what I, I don't know why. That's my... Dad, it's crazy. Yeah. Wear them socks up over the calves. Yeah. You can't wear ankle socks on the court, huh? You might Man, get them I ankles got, broke. Um, I got a scholarship to play uh, college basketball, and I'm telling you, I yeah, did. I'm, me too. Um, like the summer camp, the summer camp for it, and like getting up to start working the season and everything. And I was just like, Your passion's gone. Just watch. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, this is the-. they're like, you have to run this much in, in during the summer. I was like, no, I'm trying to live. I got to. <laughs> I'm like, no, not for me. I was just like, man. Man, Lakeem, dude, it was such a pleasure to have you on the call, man. And we're going to be pushing and promoting your artwork for the next week. Uh, and we want our ATX Artist Social listeners to know how they can get in contact with you, see your artwork, purchase your artwork, man. What are your uh, some of your handles and some of your uh, locations where they can go and find yeah, your work? Yeah, so uh, LakeemWilson.com is my website. And... I'm working on adding the shop button on there because I do want to get into posters and making my art available. If not originals, then through posters, like like nice size posters and things. Uh, but outside of that, it, it's Lakeem Art on Instagram and Lakeem Ali. Uh, those are my two. But it's Lakeem.Ali and then Lakeem.Art, yeah. right? And for our listeners out there, you spelled that okay. L-A-K-E-E-M. Yeah. Lakeem Art. And at A-R-T. the same time, I got Natural Born Nation. And then I have Natural Born Creative Code. Okay. Hey, man. Now, I'm going to tell you. Hey, I'm going to tell you right now, man. Lola is... uh. Great at management, bro. We you you, yeah. you might need to get yeah. with her. You know what I'm saying? Need some like, brand like, get some like, like, She could do one. She could work wonders for your brand, bro. I promise <laughs> really? you. I promise. Like it's Instagram. me and Martha. Me and Martha. <laughs> oh yeah, four Instagrams is like I got lost. Get that one gram. Down, 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 down,
Yo, ATX Artist Social Team. Yo, we have come to the close of episode 12 of the ATX Artist Social. I need y'all to y'all to say it with me. Episode 12. It's a wrap. A wrap. A wrap. <laughs> I'm